Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. But today I want to talk to you about prayer. I'm going to talk to you next week about prayer. And I'm going to talk next to you to next next week to you about prayer. And then 4 weeks after that I'm going to talk to you about prayer. So for the next 7 weeks we're going to talk about prayer. Not as a series but as a as a multitude really of one-offs because prayer has to happen in the church. A church without prayer isn't a church. If we can't communicate with God, then we are lacking. Amen. But there's such great mysticism in prayer that we often hold ourselves back from doing it, but it is absolutely necessary. You guys have heard me quote Charles Spurgeon before and his quote that says, prayer is the nerve that moves the omnipotent hand of God. Did you catch that? Prayer moves the all-powerful hand of God. I don't know why God determined to use our prayers or need our prayers or desire our prayers to change things in the world, in us and around us. But we have been commanded to pray. And so we should be people of prayer. When Jesus said, and when you pray, do this, there was an assumption on his part that we would be people of prayer. And we find ourselves lacking. And I know that because sometimes I find myself lacking. And so I want to talk to you about, I'm just going to start very simplistically today about prayer. In a sermon I've titled, When Less is More. And I'm going to use the shortest prayer in all of Scripture to discuss it. Before I get into this particular lesson, I want you to, I want you to hear me. There is nothing wrong with long prayers is provided long prayers are intimate prayers, that they're sincere prayers, that they're moved and motivated by the Spirit of God prayers. If you're praying big prayers for the sake of praying big prayers, you're wasting your time. Because without intimacy, conversation usually means nothing. You guys had conversations all the time in and around town. You're not familiar with them. They talk to you. You, all right, all right, okay, right on. And then you move on. That conversation didn't mean anything, and you probably don't remember anything about it when you're done because there's no intimacy. The conversations my wife and I have are much more inclusive, and I have much more confidence in them because I have much greater intimacy with her than I have with anybody else on earth. Amen? And certainly, God's intimacy towards us is greater than the intimacy my wife and I share. And so I want to talk to you about the simplicity of prayer, but not at the expense of making you feel like longer prayers, when they're called for, aren't necessary, just that they aren't necessary all the time. Pray the prayer you need to pray. Because the fact of the matter is, prayer works. We know this intellectually. In my mind, I pray for people. Well, I pray for people through my spirit. But in my mind, I look at it, and I'm all, 
man, I can pray for them. I have faith for them. I believe that God can heal them, and I believe God wants to heal them, that the Word of God says so, that Jesus takes all our infirmities and our diseases, that by His stripes we are healed, all of these things. I believe all these things to be absolutely true. And so when I pray them over your life, it's a lot easier for me to pray that prayer for you than it is for me. Because I look at myself, and I see something in me that I don't see in you. I see the filth that is still me. I see the sin that I still get caught up in. I see the self-destructive patterns that every man deals with. And so I can believe in prayer for you much easier than I can believe in prayer for me because I still deal with the fact, am I really good enough for God to be answering my prayers in the first place? The fact of the matter is you're not good enough except that Jesus Christ made you good enough to receive the answer to your prayer. Amen? So we know intellectually that prayer works. There's evidence in Scripture that prayer works, and it's literally everywhere. The Hebrew people called out to God. He sent Moses to them. The Israelites came to the end of themselves over and over and over in the book of Judges, cried out to God, and God sent each of the judges to free them. David prayed out to God because Saul was chasing him, and God responded and was his stronghold. Prayer works. Paul and Silas were in prison, began to call out to God, and God sent an earthquake to release them from prison. I'm going to say this again. Prayer works. We know this intellectually. We know this scripturally. So why don't we pray? How many of you guys have at least one prayer you'd like to have answered? Right? I, I've got numerous prayers I'd like to have answered. I dare say everybody has one. So why don't we pray? And I think there's four primary reasons for this. The first reason, and I've asked several people actually, tell me why you think people don't pray. And these, in some form or fashion, are the four answers I got. First one is, I'm not sure he hears my prayer. You guys ever feel like that? You pray, and you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and you feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling and falling back in your lap. Like you're just screaming into a brass kettle. No one's hearing you. No one cares about you. Nobody's going to answer what it is you're calling out for. But the fact of the matter is God does hear you. We have the promise of the word of God that he hears you and answers the prayers of the righteous. We know that God answers the prayers of the righteous because in Proverbs 15, 29, it says so. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. It didn't say some of the righteous. It didn't say the righteous that he liked better than other righteous folks. He says he hears the prayers of the righteous. So if you belong to Jesus, he hears your prayer, which is great unless you don't belong to Jesus or you're not walking righteously. But you still have a promise that God hears your voice too. In 1 John 1 through 9, it says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is important. You think God doesn't hear your prayer. He hears your prayer for one. But there's only one person 
one kind of person, one group of people that can expect to have their prayers answered. Those who are righteous and repentant. I hear people all the time come up and they say, hey, will you pray for me? Okay, what do you want to pray for? Well, I want whatever prayer is, knowing that they're living with their boyfriend or knowing they're in an open homosexual relationship, knowing that they're intentionally walking in some kind of sin and they want me to pray for them, that God bless them. Before you get blessed by God, you need to repent to God because it's the repentant prayer that you can expect to have answered first so that the righteousness in you that is given to you by Christ Jesus may call out and he be near you and hear you. And in hearing, you answer you according to the word of God. Is everybody okay? Some of y'all looking at me like I'm freaking you out. Wait, you mean I got to get my life right for God to hear me? No, you don't have to get your life right for God to hear you. God hears you anyway. You got to get your life right to expect God to move on your behalf when he hears you. But that's just one of the reasons. Another reason is I don't have time. I love this. Did you pray today? No. Why not? I didn't have time. Man, you don't know my schedule. I, drives me crazy, man. Because I guarantee that same person spent some amount of time on social media today, watching TV today, being lazy on their couch today, reading some secular book today. They were doing something today that they could have set aside and spent in prayer. The fact of the matter is, we carve out time for things we're passionate about. There's people out here that go to the gym for two hours a day. They crazy, man. We can pray for five minutes. Amen? So I don't believe that. I don't have time. Is a lie that makes you feel better about you. A third reason that I hear and sadly, I've used, I'm hiding because I'm ashamed of what I've done. You guys ever, right? I know, it's so dumb. No, laugh, it's, it's, it's comical. And I've used this, not recently, praise God, but not long after I got saved, I remember I was still doing I'm, I still do stupid stuff, but I, I used to do a lot more stupid stuff. Like, I'm a work in progress. And in my stupidest of stuff, I can remember one time literally saying out loud, I can't pray because then I'm going to have to go before God and tell him what I do. And while I'm saying it, the Holy Spirit says, hey, stupid. He was there. He saw it already. We serve an omnipresent God. He is wherever you are. He has placed himself inside of you, which should drive us to prayer. Because when we sin, knowing his spirit lives inside of us, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Maybe we should go to prayer for no other reason than to ask forgiveness for grieving the Holy Spirit by causing the Holy Spirit to be drugged through the mess that we've walked through. Boy, that'll get you. It got me. but he already knows what you've done. Just like you're with your kids. Your kids get in trouble. You know what your kids did before they show up, especially back 
When I was a kid, when the town was smaller, you pull up, DW, I know your daddy found out the stuff you did. You pull up in a driveway and Papa's sitting outside. And he said, why'd you do such and such? And I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about? But I knew exactly what he was talking about. God knows. God knows. Repent and move on. God wants to be in relationship with you. How can you be in relationship with someone you can't talk to? It's rhetorical. You can't. And then finally, and it's the question I really want to tackle today, is I don't know what to say. It's the reason I want to tackle this one is because this is my mind is the number one reason people don't pray. I'm afraid I'm going to sound stupid. I don't know what I'm supposed to say, when I'm supposed to say, how I'm supposed to say. And so we're going to tackle this problem today by using the shortest prayer in Scripture. So if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 14, I'm going to read you a story out of Scripture, historical fact, 14 starting in 22, that you're very familiar with. Jesus walks on the water. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he went while he sent the crowds away. He had just fed the 5,000. He had just performed the miracle of feeding 5,000. That's significant. After he sent the crowds away, he went up in the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, that is between 3 and 6 a.m., fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage. It is I do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. I'm going to say this again. I said it just briefly right before I started reading. This isn't a story. This isn't a fairy tale. This is historical fact. We look at the Bible a lot of times and be like, man, that's crazy. You can't do that. Anything is possible with God. This, isn't, this is a recorded historical fact. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards him. But, being, but seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out. And here's the shortest prayer in Scripture. Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. He had just fed 5,000 people the day before. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, somewhere between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning on the next day. And it took him saving Peter for them to realize that he surely was the son of God? I'm going to caveat all of my teaching with this. It has nothing to do with the outline that I'm teaching you from today. But let me tell you something. Sometimes God needs to place you in a storm because the blessing hasn't proved who he is to you yet. So what does this short prayer teach us? this short prayer, this Lord save me prayer. 
It teaches us that short prayers are comprehensive prayers. That means they're complete prayers. They are absolutely inclusive prayers. You know what Peter said? Peter said exactly what he needed to say with the fewest number of words he needed to say it. We'd, we're afraid we don't pray long enough to get his attention or we don't use big enough words to impress him. Can I tell you, you can't pray long enough. You can try. And again, I'm not talking about people that may be gifted for intercession or there's something laid specifically on their heart. Right now and in every service, we have people praying in this room over here for an hour in each service while I'm preaching, asking God to keep his hand and by the power of the Holy Spirit move in this room. That is different. But when you're in a situation, sometimes a short prayer is the best prayer. And a short prayer is okay. You can't talk long enough. God is not impressed with your vocabulary. And yet over and over and over again, we want to sound very articulate. We want to use big words. We want to, we want to go on and on and on and use the flowery speech and the religious talk. Do you think that impresses God? The answer to that question is no. You're, I'm going to use all these big words. God's going to be impressed with how smart I am. You're talking about the, the most intelligent being in all of the universe and has been for all of eternity looking at you, thinking you're smart. You don't have the vocabulary for it. I think he would much rather have your sincerity than your intellect. Amen? And sometimes short prayers are okay. Matter of fact, most times short prayers are okay. Throughout your Bible, minus two instances, John chapter 17, where Jesus prays the priestly prayer and where Solomon dedicates the temple. One is five minutes long if you read it. The other one's about six minutes long if you read it. The rest of them are very, very short prayers. When Paul prays for the Ephesian church, you would think Paul would just really roll it out for the Ephesian church, man. He wants them to know some stuff. So you'd think he'd be, we'd have like seven pages of a prayer that Paul wrote. You know, if you read that first prayer starting in maybe verse 14 of chapter 1, 15, somewhere around in there, do you know that takes about a minute or less to read that prayer? You know why? Because Paul had a request of God made it plain and clear and wasn't trying to impress anyone. Just pray the prayer. Jesus himself actually spoke against long prayers. In Matthew 6, 7, and 8, he says, And when you were praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. Meaningless repetition. Pay attention to that because there's a difference between repetition and meaningless repetition. The Lord's Prayer was never designed to be a prayer that we repeat as a repetitious prayer. It was a skeleton. It is a skeleton by which we hang our prayers on. But if you pray it as a systematic prayer, as it's written, but with sincerity, that's okay. But don't do it insincerely. So he says, as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Do we do the same thing? Do we think God hears us because we are smart and because we say a lot of stuff? 
I wonder how many times God thinks, I wish this guy would just tell me what he wants. Because the Bible says in Isaiah, he knows what we want before we need, and even as we ask, he, he, he delivers it. So he's all, like any other parent, boy, get to the point. What do you want from me? What do you trust me for? What do you trust me with? It's promised to you in the word of God. Ask for it. Oh, that's good right there. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. That's how that verse ends. And you can't pray big enough. I can remember the first time I was asked to pray out loud. It freaked me out. I was at a men's breakfast. There was probably... 400 guys at a men's breakfast. But I was part of the cooking team, so we'd show up at 4 a.m. And there was about 30 of us, and we spent a couple hours preparing breakfast for everybody. We made everything from sausage to eggs and all the stuff that you'd expect to see at a men's breakfast. Not a whole lot of fruit, you know. Uh, and so we set up the tables. We do all the stuff. And the guy that was running that ministry, that food ministry at the time, was named Rusty. And he said, hey, everybody come in the kitchen. We're going to pray before people start getting here. So we, we walk in. We gather around, and I hadn't been saved very long. Like I said, I've never prayed out loud before in front of anyone. And I'm holding somebody's hand. I'm super excited. I'm getting to serve the Lord. And I'm looking around, and I'm all, he's going to call on one of these guys, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be awesome. And he goes, hey, Jim, why don't you pray for us? And I seized up. <laughs> and, I and this is almost exactly what that prayer sounded like. Lord, the Jesus of food, thank you, amen. But you know what? God heard that prayer. Didn't make any sense. But God knew what I said. God knew what I was wanting to say, what I was trying to say. Thank you for these men. Thank you for this food. Thank you for, for your faithfulness. Man, I don't pray because I don't want to sound stupid. Man, if we would just be willing sometime to sound stupid, maybe the whole world gets saved. Hmm. Peter was a perfect example of this. His prayer was simple. Lord, save me. It didn't matter that he put himself in the place of harm. It didn't matter that he put himself in a place to where he could drown by taking his eyes off of Jesus, he prayed a simple prayer. How many of you guys have placed yourself in harm or taken your eyes off of Jesus, which caused harm? You know, the simple prayer, Lord, save me, will get you back in that boat. It doesn't have to be fancy. What am I trying to say today? Sometimes less is more. You know what Peter didn't pray? Peter didn't pray this. Excuse me while I bow my head. Lord, in your, mo in your high and lifted up position, I pray that you in all your omnipotent power and grace save me from the waves crashing down upon me. You are my shelter in the storm, my help in my time of need. I ask as a child of the Most High King, remove, remove me from my descended state and place my feet on the solid foundation of your saving mercy and grace. I mean, it's pretty, but he's drowned it already. 
He said, Lord, save me. Because when a man needs saving, he just needs a life jacket. Amen? So they're comprehensive. They're urgent. But they're urgent, and in their urgency, find a place of intimacy. Intimacy, intimate prayers come from intimate relationships. A lot of times we're not comfortable praying because we're not in the relationship we should be in. Peter knew Jesus, loved Jesus. Jesus loved Peter. They walked together. They talked together. He watched the miracles. He had just watched the feeding of the 5,000. He was actively engaged in Jesus' life and Jesus in his. They had an intimacy. It was upon Peter's confession that the church was going to be built. Not Peter, Peter's confession. That the church was, there was intimacy there. And in that intimate place, Peter was able to crawl, cry out. I don't think God hears my prayers. Are you intimate? Is he, is he used to hearing your voice? I, I, this is a very simple message. I'm not trying to complicate it today. Because I want this church. I, I, don't, I don't want this church. I need this church to be a praying church. Or we might as well just shut it down. We give lip service to prayer all the time. Man, we need to be, we need to be prayers praying and then we walk out these doors and we forget until the next time I say something you don't actually pray we need to pray we need to be people of prayer we need to be pray all the time in the morning in the evening in the afternoon at night before we go to bed pray over all things in all things amen but that happens in intimacy it's this place of intimacy that Peter was in that he was able to call out is in this place of intimacy that he was able to ask him in the first place, Jesus, if you'll just call me, I'll walk out on this water. That's trust. Peter trusted enough to step out in faith. You know why I love the Psalms? Because David had intimacy with God. And that intimacy sometimes looked crazy to us. Sometimes that intimacy looks like God, are you serious right now? I'm using modern vernacular, but this is David talking to God. Are you serious? You promised me all this stuff. You anointed me king. I'm out here running around in the desert all by myself, being chased by an army, people trying to kill me. You promised me you'd take care of me. You know why God didn't strike him dead for talking like that? Because he was still speaking from a place of faith because he never lost the understanding and the idea that God would save him but there was an intimacy that allowed them to have conversations that other people can't have with him. People that I love can have conversations with me differently than people I don't like. You're like, oh, Pastor, you're not supposed to not like nobody. Well, I know. <laughs> anyway. But it happens in intimacy. And God sent Jesus to us that we might have that intimacy. Did you hear me? We were defiled. None are righteous. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
but Jesus. But God, in our sinfulness, sent his son Jesus. Why? To prove his love to us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life so that we could be intimate with him, so we could be in relationship with him, so that we could literally be removed from the judgment we were already in according to 3.17 and 18. Let us walk in that. Let us take comfort in that. That there's no other name in heaven or earth except for the name of Jesus by which a man can be saved. Because it was Jesus that did the work that created intimacy in the first place. Amen? So are we intimate enough to call out? Because when we are, Short prayers are effective. It says immediately, he cried out, Lord, save me. Not long, not eloquent. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I wonder why Jesus allowed him to be in this position in the first place. He's God, fully man, fully God. He knew the storm was coming, but yet he left him in the boat all along. Knowing the storm was coming, knowing that all of this would happen. You ever wonder why? Maybe so Peter can pray this prayer so that Jesus could save him and ask him, what's wrong with your faith? Where is your faith? And that's the question I feel like he's asking us today. Are we praying? Or specifically, are we not praying because we don't have the faith to believe he's going to answer us? He sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. Why wouldn't he answer us? And you're all, Pastor, he, he listened to your prayers. You're a pastor. He is not a respecter of person according to the word of God. You know what that means? That means he doesn't matter who prays. He hears them. If he's, because he's not a respecter of persons, if he's ever answered a single prayer in all of eternity for someone, he'll answer a prayer for you. Because he's not a respecter of persons, if he's ever loved anyone in all of eternity, he loves you. Because he can't be who he says he is and deny you what he's offered someone else. It would be unjust, and we serve a perfectly just God. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? So how does this intimacy happen? How does this effectiveness happen? What is the effect we're trying to accomplish? Relationship. Relationship that only happens through Christ Jesus and only by confession. By a declaration of your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says, and you shall be saved. We know God answers this prayer because it's his will that all men be saved. And you guys know my favorite verse. This is the confidence that we have that anything we ask according to God's will, he hears us. And because he hears us, we have that which we've asked for. 
So my question is, whether it's a storm of your doing, storm not of your doing, a simple Lord save me prayer can expect an immediate response from a God that loves you enough to send his son to die for you. So I'm going to ask a question. Is there anybody in this room who hasn't made a confession of Jesus Christ as Lord? Let me tell you what that means. That means I'm going to set myself aside and I'm going to make him the king in my life. I'm going to be obedient to what the word of God tells me to do. I'm going to allow myself to be led by the Holy Spirit as he carves away from me the things that shouldn't be in me. And I'm going to believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, which means because he's the first fruits and he was raised from the dead, I know I'll be raised from the dead too, that death has no sting for me. So I don't know where you are, but I would ask, have you prayed that prayer? Lord, save me. Because it's really that simple. Sometimes less is more. Amen? If that's you, we don't bow our heads and close our eyes here because we're family like we talked about in baptism and we want to celebrate with you and I don't know how to celebrate with you if I don't know who you are. If that's you, would you stand where you are? If there's anybody in this room, Amen. I'm not a, I'm not a salesman. Be people of prayer and understand it doesn't matter what that prayer looks like. As long as it's sincere, God hears it. Amen. Let's pray.